Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey there, this is Jillian on Love, and my mission is to teach people how to revolutionize their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you're in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up in their relationships and in their love lives in general. And today I am very excited because I am welcoming to the show Megan and Mike. And Megan and Mike are two people who I've worked with in detail, in a lot of detail. We worked pretty hard together. <laughs> they are married. <laughs> and they came to me because they were, this was before the pandemic. So it was about, how long ago was this, Megan and Mike? January 2019. January 2019, they came to me because they were having a lot of struggles in their marriage. And what ensued was just sort of a journey. And part of that was they had decided to separate, which is not the easiest decision to make and not always the right decision, but it ended up being the right decision for them. And now they're back together and stronger than ever. And so I wanted to have them on the show to share their experience. So thank you guys for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We're excited. We're honored. I'm very excited. I know. I'm very <laughs> excited. To, like, I know I'm also just excited because I haven't seen you guys in a while. And it's been a while. So it's just great to have you. And I don't think we've ever had a podcast like where we've been interviewed together. Like he's been on mine, but this is really fun for us too. So we're excited. Oh, great. So it's a first mm -hmm. for all of us. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I want the listeners to hear from your perspective why you came to me. What were some of the things that you guys were facing that was so difficult that led you to seek out relationship coaching? Yeah, I guess I'll go first. So 
basically we had been, and I'll say trying in very big quotes, trying to work on our relationship ourselves since before we got married in 2016. And we always had issues that like all couples do that we brushed under the rug because we love each other. We have such respect for each other. We're best friends. So we were like, all right, that'll just fix itself. We'll deal with that when the time comes, which doesn't come unless you actually deal with it. And so we kept doing that. And it got to a point where, especially with our intimacy, especially with our communication, things we thought were okay, we realized we're really not. And we kind of were living separate lives by the end of 2018 when we just, we loved each other and had this great friendship, but it wasn't a marriage. It was like roommates and we felt very separate and just knew like this was not the marriage that I wanted. I knew it wasn't the marriage he wanted. And we basically said, all right, this is it. We need help and we can't do this ourselves anymore. We're not pros at this, obviously. And so that's when we reached out to you. Was that a joint decision or was it one of you pushing, trying to get help? That was definitely Megan facilitating a large part of it. I was never resistant. I knew something was wrong. And I'm sure we'll get into it a lot about the beginning of that process and how I was, quote unquote, doing it for myself. But honestly, in the beginning of it, it was definitely for Megan. And until I really Mm -hmm. started understanding a lot of my own self and my own self-awareness, did I really understand how much I wanted to do it myself. But so in the beginning of 2019, it was, again, not resistant to it at all. I was more than open, but If Megan hadn't taken charge of it, I think I probably would have allowed it to just continue on the path it was going. Which is so common, particularly in heterosexual relationships. It's usually the woman being like, we need to go to couples. Not always. When I was married, it was actually my ex-husband who was like, we need to go to a couple's therapist. And I was the one who was like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. <laughs> but so um, look at you now. <laughs> and look at me now. <laughs> That's great. Oh, wow. Oh. You know, people say all the time, like, are you still resentful towards your ex? I'm like, absolutely not. And in fact, yeah. like he should probably send me a bill. <laughs> That's so true. I love it. That's awesome. But it is slightly more common that the woman particularly in a heterosexual relationship, is going to be the one who is going to facilitate that. So I'm curious, a lot of people go into couples coaching or counseling or therapy thinking that their partner needs to be fixed. It's really, really common to be like, okay, they have a problem. We need to fix that so that I'm okay. And I think that what people don't prepare themselves for or they don't understand is just how confronting couples' work can be and how then all of a sudden we're having to look at ourselves when we may have thought that the other person was the problem. And I'm wondering if you had that experience. I think Megan did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. As you were saying that, I started to smile. I was like, I feel called out. Totally. I was like, okay, this is your issue. Let's go. You need to get fixed. (laughs) Almost. Which was partly true. Sure. There were definitely some things, 100%. And I don't think I said it like that, but that's definitely my mindset was like, hey, I've been doing personal growth work for so long. I got my shit together. It's your, you need to fix this thing. Again, said it much nicer than that. And once we started, I quickly realized it takes two to tango. Yeah, Mike had his stuff to work through, but so did I. And we did together too. So that was like very humbling for sure. And 
being, gosh, two plus years removed from that now, being like, whoa, I can't believe that was my mindset and the timeline I put on him to get fixed, <laughs> get your trauma mm. fixed by the end of this year and we'll stay together. If you don't, I don't know. <laughs> and it's just like looking back, I'm like, wow, how much have I grown since then? The things that I thought back then are pretty interesting, but very common. What do you think? Yeah, very common. What do you think drove that timeline? I'm imagining it was just fear. I mean, I remember you being very afraid. Yeah, I think fear. I think at the time, I believe I was 31, I guess 31, about three years ago or four years ago. And I think it was fear of, okay, if this isn't going to work, I want babies. So I need to keep going. Just to be blunt, he knows this. Like, hey, I want to have a family. And if this isn't the person, then I need to start all over again. And of course, that was so not what I wanted. I knew from our first date that this was going to be my person. And so I want to do everything I could to make it work. But it got to a point where in my mind, I had been going through this for years. I had been working on it for years, just not telling him. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And it's like, he needed the opportunity to work through it. It wasn't fair to him for me to be like, well, I've been going through this for years. You need to catch up. And so it was the timeline, but it was more so that I had been going through it in my own mind and in my own body and my own heart for so many years that I was like, well, I've been already doing this for three years. Like, I can't do this for three more. Like, I need you to step mm -hmm. it up now kind of thing. But he didn't know that. So that wasn't fair to him. He didn't get the chance to really work on it with me. So yeah, that was kind of where it was coming from. Yeah, I understand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we're in this together, the three of us, and we're talking about stuff. And it seemed like the most important thing was just to get you guys initially just more connected emotionally. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you had been living sort of separate lives. And the issues that all couples face, it's like always around intimacy, money, like stuff like that, communication. So we work together, I think, how many months was it that we worked together before you two decided to separate? It was a year. It was a year, so, exactly. Because yeah, we started early January and we separated. Right before the pandemic, 2020. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I remember this conversation vividly on the couch, on the orange couch that we had in our apartment that we did not like. And <laughs> I don't remember if it was with you or if it was separate, but Megan had mentioned in like October of 2019 that if we would separate, I need you not to fight me on this. And at that moment, I knew it's exactly what we needed to do. And I was not strong enough at the time to say that we could do it. And that's why I said before, I would have just continued on that path, not knowing what a true marriage looked like or any of that. I just thought this was almost what marriage was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is interesting. So that marriage was what? Can marriage go a was deep? hard. Yeah, marriage was mm -hmm. hard. And some of this is true in a sense. Marriage is hard. Mar marriage needs to be worked at. And it does. And we are doing that. But it's not hard. It's enjoyable. It's joyful. Mm -hmm. It brings you joy. It makes you a better person. It allows you to live a life that that you want together if you're really a true couple and building something that you want to build. But coming from, again, the divorce that my parents had, coming from that and just seeing the marriages around my life, I thought that 
generally, most people were not all that happy, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, this is so common. I think a word that maybe comes to mind that what Mike was saying is like, either you settle and you go, all right, marriage is settling and just being okay and friends and, you know, the old like, oh, once you're married, you got the chain on you. That's Mm -hmm. just marriage or you get divorced. And that's so many examples in both of our lives. That's what it was. And I remember to that point, so many of my friends saying, I can't believe you're still doing it. I can't believe you're still married. Like with all the things that you guys have gone through, like I would have been out by then. And to Mm. this day, we get that so often. And so it's like he said, it's been hard, but now we have a marriage that's like, we're not settling. We want a great marriage, not like a we don't want to joke about it like people do about how marriage is like literally like you're changed now. Boring. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like whatever. Like now you're married, your life is over. No, that that's so important because, okay, so there's a couple of things I want to unpack. Number one is this idea of, of course, and I work with a lot of people like this, they are tolerating less than they deserve and they are in the wrong relationship. I mean, there's tons of scenarios like that. But more so than not in the committed couples that I've worked with, this tendency to just give up so easily, whether it's to give up and stay married, just like what you were describing, what you've been surrounded by. It's like, it's easy to stay married. It's a whole other thing to stay in a partnership and actually be fulfilled and have meaning inside of it. So I think that people either give up and break up or they give up and stay in the relationship, meaning they just give up in general. And so typically I, or more generally, I should say, I try to discourage people separating because more often than not, when people separate, first of all, there's vague terms and they just end up divorcing or breaking up. In your case, it definitely seemed like the right thing to do. And so I'm curious about your thought process. Like, the both of you, like what led you to make that decision and to recognize that was really the best decision for you? Yeah. I, for me at the point we got to, we did so much work with you that year and it opened up a whole can of worms. Mike had never really dealt with his trauma from his past. I opened up so many things that I hadn't dealt with. So it was like, almost like going backwards to go forwards. Like I felt like, oh no, this opened up so much more. This is going to take a long time. And so (laughs) it got to a point where it was like he and I, but I would say in my opinion, mostly Mike at this point, he needed time and space to work through his stuff. And I felt like I was breathing down his back to be like, okay, go fix that now. Like, that's great Mm -hmm. that you're going through it. I'm so glad. So is it done yet? Are you over that yet? Are you, Mm -hmm. you worked through that yet? Again, I didn't say it like that. And I felt like it was too much pressure on him and me. And I was getting frustrated with myself too. And Mm -hmm. it got to a point where we still were very separate. And I was like, if we're going to move forward together, we've got to have space to work on our stuff ourselves. We can't connect if we're not whole our own selves. And so that was really what it was for me. And just being exhausted of like annoying him and being on him and then me being frustrated. So I was like, we just need some space apart. So it was really to like grow separately to grow together. Yeah. And I remember, Mike, you feeling almost like a little relief to be able to have that space to to work on yourself because 
you're trying to please Megan and be a good husband while at the same time trying to work on yourself. And those two things, what I remember felt like for you, like they were very conflicting. Like it was just too difficult. Is that true? Yeah. So I had my business that was also becoming a disaster. I remember during 2019, I had stomach issues and we would just talked about like different diet, like trying different things. I remember that sense of relief and instantly my stomach issues went away and it was all surrounding stress of every mm-hmm. part of our relationship, my business, what I was doing. I let so much of my life just snowball that year. Because it just felt like I was too much. And then, yeah, I mean, instant sense relief. And even those three days that we spent together. So we separated and we still had two or three nights together. And it almost felt like we had just that weight off the shoulder. We were so different together. And then that night I dropped Megan off at a hotel and then we were separating. Then the pandemic happened. So it got a little different than what it was going to be. But Hmm. three, four, five, six months. I forget the exact terms, but it was devastating. It was so weird. That session with you guys, I was devastated. I don't think I've cried that much in a session with the three of us. But I I always got so much praise from my family, my father and stepmother specifically, about the work I did. And I said endlessly that if Megan did not have the strength to separate, we would either be divorced or miserable. And you did decide it was like six months. Was it six months? Obviously, the pandemic had started to change things. So our situation is a little different. You know, no kids, no pets, no anything at the time. So I went to Vegas, poker, like I did that whole process. We had agreed on three months and then we were going to reconnect because Megan was doing a show and she wanted me to see the show. So we had initially agreed upon three months and then we were going to reconnect, see each other and go from there. And our reconnection was great. And then we were planning on dating for about a few months, but that's when COVID started. You both know this about me, but the thing that really is sort of my philosophy when it comes to relationship is this idea of accountability, meaning that we have to take responsibility for how our relationship is and isn't. And it's not a blame thing. It's not a shame thing. It's really a privilege because when we can see our part, then we are empowered to make whatever changes need to be made. When you took that time apart, and Meg, this question, I want to hear this from both of you, but I'm first directing it towards you. Since initially you thought, okay, I've done all this inner work. I do all this work in personal development. I live it. I breathe it. You know, Mike's the one who has to really take this in. What did you learn in terms of responsibility and taking your part and seeing your part? Like, what was that journey like for you specifically while you were separated? Yeah, it was definitely, again, humbling, I would say, and very eye-opening because you can do all the personal growth work you want on yourself, but once you're applying it with another human who is your partner, it's so different. It's like, oh, I don't actually know anything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you need to like start over again. And that's kind of what I felt. So during that time, like, I really learned a huge thing I focused on, which you really helped us with and pointed us in directions like John Wineland's work and things like that, was Mm -hmm. I was so in my masculine a lot of the time that we were together. I felt like I had to 
be in control, tell them what to do. I was very masculine in my business in moments. And so during that time, that was a really big eye opener for me was like, I need to lean in and learn how to be more in my feminine, which was natural for me. I just kind of lost it. So you said that you needed to drop into your feminine more. What did that Mm -hmm. look like for you? What did that mean to you? So during that time, I really started to do more feminine embodiment kind of practices. I was in a musical and a show that automatically puts me in that and just really leaning into that kind of work. And so when we reunited after three months, I was really in that space. And immediately it was like wild how much our attraction changed for that week. We were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So that was something I really worked on and took accountability for. Like I was so trying to force and push and I wasn't stepping into that part of my myself. And then also just like a lot of the things that you take for granted when you're with someone Like I didn't expect to miss him as much as I did. And I really just took that time to reflect on what we do have and how special it is and the Mm -hmm. respect and love we have for each other. Because I remember you even saying like, you don't see many couples who come together to you with the kind of love and respect we had for each other. So that I really realized. And I was like, wow, I didn't recognize how much good we had. I was only focusing on like the stuff he needed to work on, the stuff that was wrong with Mike, you know, versus like, wow, I have an incredible husband who didn't even flinch at getting help, which a lot of my friends' husbands would not do. I know that I've gone through it with them. So I was taking accountability for a lot of what we already have and stuff I needed to work on myself. I think that one of the biggest issues that couples face is only focusing on what's wrong. And I think Mm -hmm. that we do that just in general in life, that we focus on what's wrong and we forget to appreciate what's already there. And that's huge. So Mike, we worked a lot together, you and I, Mm -hmm. during this time (laughs) of you working on yourself. What was that journey like for you? Like it was big. (laughs) So here you are thinking that marriage is one thing, then you're separated and now you're like having to look at things A lot of people talk about, you have to do the work. You have to do the inner Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. How would you explain your experience of doing the quote unquote inner work? Uh, Journey. I mean, it's a lot, so I'll get into it all. But uh, do you have a lot of time? (laughs) So the beginning of it, I not taking accountability in the marriage. And again, just really not understanding what a marriage was. And I had put Megan in some pretty unfortunate positions throughout her marriage, especially that year. And kind of forcing her into her masculine in certain aspects and becoming a mother to me, which is not something that I'm quite proud of. Not very sexy. No, and not something I'm <laughs> proud of, especially. But no, anyway. but it takes a lot to admit that. Yeah. It takes a lot to admit that. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the one thing, if I ever pat my back on anything, and I've heard that from now multiple, you and then other people, is I just, I will be an open book right away. I mean, anyway, so going into that, I think the minute we separated, and I remember saying it to you, and I think I believed it or I just didn't know any better. I said I was doing this for myself and I think I believed that. And I think I was to an extent, but I was purely doing it for Megan. And looking back on that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just how I got started. When we separated, it allowed me to then realize Megan wasn't in the picture anymore. I could just stop. I don't have to do this. I'm fighting for a marriage, so I'm still doing it a bit for Megan. Little did I know at the time, I you probably know a bit more, Megan was leaning more towards divorce than us reuniting. And I was not with that understanding. So it really came down to finding myself again, honestly. I had lost so much of myself in the marriage. And part of that was just my own doing in 
the way my business was running and everything else, but I just allowed it to kind of snowball. And when I really looked at my life and what I wanted to do, I thought my life would, you know, just make money. I'd had no joy in my life. There was no fun. So I reset my life and I was like, what is my life going to look like? And how do I take control back of what I want to do? Just resetting my business, essentially letting it go, um, really finding what I wanted to do again, which for me personally was poker and then now some other stuff. But the big thing that I found throughout that process, and it's a little bit of a tangent, but like it sounds silly. And I think when we first started it, a lot of what we were doing sounded silly to me, but I leaned in and went for it. But the breath work for me, when I started doing that with you, it continues to open up so much calmness and self-awareness at the time. I would react and it would just build and build and that tension and stress would continuously build. It sounds so simple to just take steps back, relax, and then reset. And even before, like even right now when the Wi-Fi is struggling or whatever, in the past, I would get so frustrated, so stressed, <laughs> and it would just snowball. And that was one of the biggest tools. And it sounds so simple that I would do is just to really sit there and take some constant breaths and allow that mm -hmm. to like really feel my body and be in that. And so in that sense, it was making that a habit. In the beginning, it was back and forth. But come January 2020, when I was alone, had the time and was then beginning to really understand who I was and what I wanted to do and, and recognize myself that when I started doing it every day, I had the time. I didn't have anybody on top of me. And that for me personally is when I thrive. Learning how to do that in a marriage then was difficult and is continuing to still like work on that. Still work on yeah. That. yeah. So for me personally, who I am, that was the the best way. And that's when I was able to form the habits alone I've taken into our marriage together. That leads me to the next question. It's really easy to do the work when you're single or when you're alone. Mm -hmm. So how does continuing to do the work on yourself while also being present for your relationship. How does it work? How have you guys navigated that? I would say, yeah, I think it's so much harder when you're with someone and you have like responsibilities and then we got a puppy and it was like something else to take care of. So for us, it's really communication and we have a weekly meeting every single week where we sit down and we basically talk about what we're going through this week, work and appointments and schedules, but also what do we need to prioritize and that's part of it is self-care, is our personal growth work, is stuff like that, as well as like dates and connection time and finances. That's a huge thing we talk about every week that we never talked about. We just spent money and then yelled at each other. And so now it's like, oh, we know what we're spending. Everything's combined now. We were very separate with all that. So that's a ritual that's really helped us. And then I think just because our communication now, we have these tools where if I'm upset with Mike, this happened literally a week ago, if I'm upset with him or vice versa, I don't blame him or yell at him. I say, this is how it made me feel. And mm -hmm. I put it more back on myself and what I need. And we just listen now. And so I think the weekly meetings and then just carving out that time, like he goes to therapy. I have my own stuff I work on every single week. Like it's just part of our day now. And we expect to have that in our schedule now. Yeah. I think this is something that I suggest to couples all the time, having that sort of weekly meeting so that you're not talking about the relationship or logistical stuff all day, every day. It's like, this is the time. It's like an executive meeting. You come together mm -hmm. and you go over everything. How do you guys keep each other accountable? 
if you start to notice, if let's say you notice Mike derailing a little bit, or Mike, you notice Meg derailing, even if it has nothing to do with the two of you, if it's just something that you notice, what I mean by derailing, let me clarify, is when you notice the other veering off the path that you know that they want to be on, do you bring it up? Do you say something? I have one for Mike for me because I think he's done so beautifully this year. I've had a lot of evolution in my business. And actually, this whole story is now a huge part of our business because, like you said, it's very rare that a couple's separate, get back together, let alone completely reborn. It's like completely different and it's incredible now. And so I've been very like identity crisis in my business this year. And he is hands down talked me off the ledge multiple times. He's made me feel so secure and safe. So I was like, I have an example for you, for me, if you want to go into that. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. For sure. I think I looked at what has happened this year from my father dying to our miscarriage and everything. And it's... I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. But um, I don't know how we would have handled that in the past. It would have become a disaster. But in terms of just holding us accountable, I mean... I think we've gotten pretty good at holding ourselves accountable, but I know Mm. once in a while, like Megan will allow me that space, especially in these really hard times. We'll allow that space for a day or two if you need something. And then, and then it's just kind of resetting. It really comes down to, I think we'll just be like, Hey, we'll sit down for five minutes and just go over what maybe we discussed in our meeting. Like maybe what's not working for you this week, what you needed more of. I think it was kind of what happened. Like I had quote unquote, drop the ball. Like we've been away and we had discussed certain things that Megan needed while we were away to remain connected for 10 days. Cause in the past we had really begun to feel disconnected when we were separated mm-hmm. for that long. And I, for lack of a better word, dropped the ball. And I knew that. And Megan just in that sense of holding me accountable, like we just like, this is what I needed. Mm-hmm. Not yelling at me, just very nicely. And that was it. And this is how I feel about that. And when you have somebody bring it to you in that way and understanding that this is what you did and this is how it made me feel, it really just opens your eyes, especially when you care about the person and don't want to make them feel that way. What do you guys do when you're traveling for business and whatnot and you're apart for 10 days? What do you do to stay connected? We're working on that. In the past, it really started to become a disconnected life without even realizing it, just living our own life for, say, a week or two. Now we are incorporating at least five to 10 minutes of FaceTime every other day, and we schedule that. A lot of this, for me personally, I was not a scheduled person. I remember when we first started talking, we were like, schedule sex. I'm like, that is not a thing. Like, you ske- you have sex when you feel, <laughs> when you want to have sex. With me- when you're like, sometimes you got to schedule that shit. Yeah, yeah, and so that is scheduled. <laughs> and when we were talking, we were like, schedule, that's not a thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's 100% a thing. <laughs> anyway, so that was a big part of me getting over a lot of stuff. I'd never lived my life by schedule. I was very freewheeling, whatever. So now we schedule FaceTimes for five minutes. We schedule these little things with certain sexting back and forth, some pictures here and there. And then we're still honestly learning a lot about how it works for us and how we want a response or when we should get a response or when you're sending it and how we navigate exactly how that looks. I think it's something that we started doing. I think I got this from like uh, an influencer or something, but I started to write Mike a note most mornings pretty consistently, you know, usually just like what I'm grateful for, what I'm thinking of. Sometimes it was a novel, but usually it was pretty short. And so when we're gone, I'll text him or voice message him. And then he started texting me every single night because we have very different sleep schedules. I go to bed really early. He goes to bed really late. And so I'd wake up to a beautiful text and it would make my morning. It would just make me so I love happy. that. 
Yeah, I love that. I think love notes are just mm-hmm. the best ritual ever between couples. Yeah. I love it. It's so easy too, and it doesn't have to yeah. be. A oh, it could huge, be a few words. Yeah, a few <sighs> words, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. And so that, while we've been separate, has been amazing. That's been really, really special. The one thing that we did, and again, it's more just understanding of how our marriage works and my lack of understanding. We had on our mirror in our bathroom, we have 10 to 20 things of what do you need? And we have a list. What do you need to feel loved? What do you need to feel loved? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have a list on my mirror of like 10 to 20 things of Megan made the list and I have one one on hers. And that's what I was just Wow, you have that on the mirror? Yeah. But prior to (laughs) our relationship, I would have felt shame's not the right word, but it's like, you should just know to do this all the time, but life gets in the way and you forget. No, people don't know this. Yeah, And and then, so yeah, we have a list. And literally one of the things is like, grab my boobs once in a while. And we would have people come in, like our people would, we kind of had separate bathrooms and it was just like this list. I remember my brother walking in, my brother walked in and laughed and he was like, that's, that's really good. And I was like, yeah, no, yeah. So funny. I hope listeners are getting a big chuckle out of that. Okay. I love that. All right. So I want to take it back to the separation. So you separated a total of how many months did you guys separate? Six months. Six months. That's what I thought. You're working on yourselves. Was there a moment where you said to yourself, I want to try this again? I still believe in us. I think that we can work on it. Was it a moment or was it a series of moments? Curious. For me, it was our reuniting three months in. That was really amazing. Again, the energy, it was just different. I think we both had that space and time and the circumstances. And then we were actually supposed to go on a trip and COVID happened. So we were stuck in a beautiful house in Florida, like in a mansion, weren't stuck. It was amazing. And we Mm -hmm. just vegged out the whole week and it was the most beautiful week. And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm ready to like get back and work on this together. So that was the turning point for me when I saw him again and I missed him. Basically. So you had three months apart, then you spent mm-hmm. a really connected weekend together and then another three months apart. But you were in contact yeah. during those three months? The first three, not as much. And we weren't supposed <laughs> to talk as much, but then I really missed him and talked to him and vice versa sometimes. It was. And then we <laughs> talked a good chunk the second three months. And then we had to find an apartment because of COVID and all that. So that was a whole other process. But I actually remember talking to you about it. It was the first time I started feeling comfortable in our relationship and our marriage for me to speak up for myself. We were talking about Megan was in a different place and she was talking to me. And I remember speaking to you about it. You were like, Mike, if you don't want her to talk to you, like this is not what we agreed upon, tell her stand up that this is what you need. That was the beginning of it that I really started to find myself and stick up for myself. And like, I was like, I'm not an idiot. I know what I need. Just say it. And Mm -hmm. asking for what I need was always a big problem in my life. It's something I've always continuing to work on. I was like, I don't want to make her feel bad that I don't want to talk to her. I'm like, but I need space. I don't need you to be telling me these things right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you decide to get back together. And so was the reunion after six months and getting into the marriage, was it sweet? And did you have a new vision for your marriage that you had discussed with one another? Because I say all the time that if you're going to be married or in a comparable partnership with someone for the long term, for years, decades, 
you're going to have many relationships within that one relationship. You're going to go through many seasons and cycles. So when you got back together, did you have a new vision of, I guess what I'm trying to say is you had a certain belief about what marriage was when you went down the aisle and you got Mm -hmm. married. And then you had a belief about what marriage was when you're like going through a hard time. And then you get back together. So what does commitment mean to you now versus perhaps what you thought it meant to you? Yeah. Normally I can like know what Megan will say. And like, I think this isn't a kind of question we've talked about a lot. When we got back together, things were completely different, of course, but we were still learning a lot about this, you know, you want to call it second marriage or whatever mm-hmm. part of this relationship yeah. we're getting into. So at that time, no, I think we were still learning. We also, I mean, I got the news about my dad. There was a lot going on at the time, COVID and that. So we were, you know, navigating those waters. But I think more recently is where we've really begun to discuss like what our plan is for the marriage and our life. We started to, it's just, we were building it from that point. We were getting into, like you said, a new marriage. I think we were becoming new people and learning about each other in that sense. And now we're starting to really trust each other. And I think the big part is that Megan trusts that I'm in it. I think the biggest thing was that she saw me do the work outside of her. She saw the progress and knows that I am committed to us and this no matter what and vice versa. I can share my perspective has changed so much on what marriage was because like you said in the beginning it was just like fun and honestly the way we approached our marriage was like fun but in a very like young traditional way. Going out and drinking a lot. Alcohol was a huge factor in our relationship. I remember that. Huge. Now barely a drop. It's kind of wild. (laughs) And it's just completely changed. Both of our relationships with alcohol has changed completely. But that was so big and just like fun and sexy and all of that. And now I really look at alcohol or alcohol. I look at our marriage as this rock almost. It's like this rock I can lean on. I don't know if rock is the right term, but a partner, a true partner, someone like my partner in crime, someone that I can go to whenever I'm feeling anything, doesn't matter, with zero judgment, who gets me, who gets all of me, who understands who I am. And so it's less like lovey-dovey, deep, passionate love that I used to think marriage was. Like you get married because you love someone and sure, that's part of it. But now I realize it's like, a real trust, like a partnership, someone who's going to be there for you when you screw up and when you do great and who's going to like defend you when you screw up, but also be like, hey, you screwed up. I totally look at it as this lifelong like partner that you get to have that will be there for you during all these really tough times. Like we've had the toughest thing someone can go through, in my opinion, this year. And we're stronger because we have that rock. And if we just based it on passion and sexiness and fun, we wouldn't have been able to survive this year. So that's kind of my perspective has changed so much on it. Yeah, that's wonderful. I tell people all the time, falling in love and passion is easy, but staying in love is hard. I mean, look, it's also hard to sustain passion. And I have two final questions. So you've got obviously the partnership part of the relationship down and that camaraderie and that partner in crime. What do you guys do to sustain the passionate part of the relationship? Do you do date nights or anything like that or? Yeah. Yeah. 
once a week we have date night and we rotate between like going out or just doing something that's special at home, just like time together without phones, without anything else. And distractions. Yep. Without distractions. And then on top of that, this is what we do in our weekly meeting. We set intimacy connection times at least three times a week. Usually it depends on our schedule, obviously, but we try to do a minimum as long as we're together three times a week, even if it's 10 minutes or 12 minutes. It's not like these hour long, huge sessions, but it's like for these 10 minutes, we're going to do a connection, whether it's an eye gazing or we play this game called the three minute game, which is just like doing something for three minutes that your partner wants you to do to them. Or maybe Mm. it will be a longer sex session, but we like intentionally plan it, which like Mike said, is so different than what we used to. And now we look forward to it and it's like planned intimacy, but it's a hundred percent kept our passion going and we're not always perfect with it, but we at least do something. But looking forward to it is actually the magic. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Yeah. 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 It's like two shorter and then we try to have one more bigger, like more intimate. I try to plan something outside of the norm. Again, our whole life was built around going out and drinking. It was so easy. Just like we're going to a bar, going to go to a bar and drink. Now, if we do that at Michael Plan, it'll be like a really cool because we live in Las Vegas most of the year the coolest cocktail bars ever there. So now it'll be like an event and it'll be special. And it's not just like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to get drunk so we maybe have sex. That's not what happens <laughs> yeah. anymore. So it's, it's also because special. you guys met in your 20s and I think that's yeah, just much more acceptable sure. to just that's a stage <laughs> of life. Yeah. One last question for you. What would you tell listeners who are listening today who are in a marriage or a very serious relationship and they're considering getting separated. What advice would you give them? What parting thought? Or if they're not even considering separating, what would you like to say to those who are really struggling in their marriage or their relationship and it's crossed their mind to divorce or separate? What would your message be for them? That's the better question. One, I would say pause before taking any radical action. I think sometimes we're like, the biggest thing I learned during this whole time is the grass is greener on the other side. And that was a huge thing once I was by myself. And yes, I love being by myself and I feel complete in myself, but I also realized, wow, what I have is really great. We just need to nurture it and we need to work on it and grow it. So I would say pause before making any like rash decisions, even if like me, you feel like you've been going through it for years and years and get help. I know that's such a lame answer, but it's literally what saved our marriage was we got help from professionals. We didn't try to tough it out or do it ourselves. And the third thing I would say is get humble and admit like Mike did and like I have what we needed to work on and not just play the blame game. Those are the biggest things, especially I think speaking to women in particular who like myself, we were doing all the things and we're like, hey, I'm already doing it. Give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and own up to what you do also need to work on. So that was really big for me. That's wonderful. Thank you. And Mike? I think that's one of the biggest things is Every relationship is going to be different on where you're at. But I think depending on where you're at, if you're going to try to fight for it, going to therapy to start there is the biggest thing. And really just getting honest about your communication. Like, where are you at? Honest about what you need in the relationship, what you want in the relationship from the other person and just going there and starting in that. If you're not going to fight for it and give it a true chance at that point, then it's done. And I mean, the biggest thing, like Megan had mentioned, if I knew what she was going through, I probably knew a little more and was hiding from it, but 
ask for what you want in the beginning. Be honest and don't be afraid to ask for what you want inside of a relationship. Like this is what I want and this is what I need to be happy. And then figure out if your partner is able to give that to you and then going through therapy. And that's the biggest thing. I do think I thought our communication was great. And then I realized <laughs> and trying to have those conversations, those hard conversations by yourself. Oh, it's so hard. I don't want to say they're impossible, but I think they're nearly impossible if you're in a place of almost separation. Like if you're at that yeah. point and you're trying to have these hard conversations and you're not going to have a professional there to mediate, a lot of it was you almost helping me explain what I mean in the beginning. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. like, this is what I'm saying, but hold on. Like, is this what you're saying? Is this what you mean? A lot of that is what I realized too. It's like, this is what you're saying, but okay, let's get a little deeper. Like you said, let's unpack this. What do you really mean? What do you really want? So I, mm -hmm. again, it sounds cliche, but the biggest thing is just getting help in the beginning. Then you can navigate and decide where your relationship's at. <sighs> Thank you both so much for coming today and just for being so open and honest. And I know you said it's become part of your business to be transparent about your journey. And it's so important because so many people are struggling in their marriages or in their relationships and they, they don't know which path to take. So I just really appreciate the both of you for coming on here. And I just appreciate you both for having done so much hard work to make your marriage thrive. I mean, this really was a situation that could have gone in the other direction and it didn't. And so it's very inspiring. So I thank you both. And for those of you who are listening and you know anyone who could benefit from this episode, please share it because you never know whose relationship you could be helping. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshouse, edited in music by Will Tendy. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Galleon where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Galleon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.